Well, good morning, Rivertown Community Church. Uh, I want to welcome all of our campuses, and uh, I'd encourage you to take out your talk notes on whatever campus you're on, Bluntstown, Chipley, Fairhope, Wakulla, or Mariana. Take out those talk notes because you're probably going to take some notes today because today we are in week three of a four-week conversation we're calling In the Meantime. And basically, this whole conversation is built upon one question, and each week we're kind of unpacking an answer to this question, and here's a question we've been looking at, and that is this. What do you do when there's nothing you can do? Now, here's why we've kind of been spending some time in this conversation for the past couple of weeks and, and talking about this question because many of you over the last few weeks, I mean, you've kind of experienced a season when there's like nothing that you can do. You understand that there are some tensions that you just can't resolve. You understand that there are some problems that you just can't solve and fix really easy. And so what do you do when you find yourself in a circumstance or a set of circumstances of no choice of your own and there's like no easy way forward and there's really like no way to fix it quickly? Like what do you do when you're in a marriage that is just stuck and it's not going anywhere. I mean, you just feel stuck. It's like, what do you do when you're in some kind of relationship and there's just nothing you can do? Or maybe you're like 15 years old today in one of our campuses and, and you're like, you, you know you can't leave home till you're like 18 and, and it feels like the next three years are going to be like the three longest years of your life and you are absolutely miserable because your parents are making all kind of bad life choices and it is just wrecking your home and your world. It's like, what do you do? when there's really nothing that you can do. It's like, what do you do when there's like no way out of a situation? Or, or maybe for some of you, it's financial. I mean, things aren't going well for you financially and, and you look at it and it's gonna like be this long, hard road and, and you're never gonna be where you thought you would be financially. Or, or maybe it has to do with your job or, or your career path. It's just not going where you thought it was going to go. Or maybe it has to do with your school path and, and it's just you're not able to get into the class or the degree that you wanted to get into. What, what do you do when this, you just feel stuck and there's nothing you can do? See, for most of us, there's kind of this temptation that hits us when we find ourselves in this kind of situation. There's this temptation to try to escape some way. I mean, there's always this temptation to kind of run. I mean, there's always this temptation even to do something kind of stupid. I mean, maybe kind of like medicate ourselves with drinking or drugs or something like that. Like whatever I need to do to be able to get through this kind of easy to kind of relieve my pain. And whenever we do something like that, it just creates more complications to our already difficult situation. And then on top of that, whenever you're going through one of these in the meantime seasons where it just feels like that there is nothing you can do, and you start looking around and it seems like other people are getting ahead of you and, and things are going well for them, but they're not so going, going so well for you. It's kind of like other people's fortune tends to get exaggerated, or their good fortune, you could say, tend to get exaggerated, and, and your lack tends to get exaggerated. It's like they got power before you did, and now you're angry at them because they got power and you didn't, that kind of thing. Some of you know what I'm talking about on some of our campuses. You know, it's kind of like, it just feels like, you know, everybody else's life is like better than your life. 
Because what happens is, when you look at the highlight reels of their life, it's just so much easier to start just feeling anger and jealousy and resentment and envy. And here's the thing, and if you're not a Christ follower, and this is probably even true if you are a Christ follower, at some point along the journey, don't, don't you just kind of, you would never say this out loud, some of you might would, but most of us would never say it out loud, but, but don't you just kind of internally just kind of like shake your fist at God? Because if God is who God is supposed to be, and if God is who we were told that God was going to be, then God could have done something about this mess that I'm in. I mean, he could have laid, made, like, made my life a lot more problem-free, a lot more wrinkle-free. I mean, I could have better kids, could have had a better marriage, I could have had a higher IQ, could have got a better job, but he didn't. So now I'm kind of aggravated and angry with God. So it's like, what do you do when there's nothing that you can do? And here's where we tend to land emotionally when we find ourselves in these in-the-meantime kind of situations. We, we kind of get to the point at some point in place in time where we kind of begin to think emotionally like, well, I'll just never be happy again. Or we say things like, nothing good can ever come from this. I mean, you kind of like look at your circumstances and there's like no happy ending. There's like no silver lining. And so you start going, man, there's just nothing good that can come from this. And then at the far end of this emotional continuum, we kind of find ourselves at some point in time maybe even saying something like this, and that is, there's just no point in continuing. Like, there's no point in staying in this marriage. There's no point in staying in this relationship. There's, like, no point in staying moral or staying ethical. There's no point in continuing to do the right thing, hoping that right things or good things will happen to you. It's just no point in continuing. So the question becomes again like, so what do you do when there's nothing you can do? Now one of the things, and I mentioned this last week, but one of the things that we just think is very helpful whenever you're in one of these in the meantime circumstances is to remember this, that the men and the women who brought us the New Testament, the men and the women who brought us the story of Jesus, they were not put off by difficulty. They were not put off by conflict and adversity and suffering in their lives. In fact, the reality is, if you look at the New Testament and, and the people who brought us the story of Jesus and all the letters of, that are now called epistles, in their mind, they did not see any contradiction at all between this idea of there being like this good God and the idea of there being difficulty and suffering and adversity in their lives. And if you look at their lives, their lives are just like filled with turmoil and adversity and suffering. In fact, um, the Apostle Paul, the man who was like responsible for like taking the gospel message and, and presenting it to basically all of the known world other than the Jewish people at that time. I mean, the man who basically created or launched or created the church that most of us are a part of today, and that is this. The apostle Paul, he was able to believe God. He was able to trust God and move on with his life even with great difficulty, even with great persecution and suffering and hardship. See, for the Apostle Paul, it was like there was no contradiction between a good God and bad times. He was able like, to live in that tension. He was able to live in those in the meantime kind of moments when he's like, there's nothing I could do. 
and still do amazing, amazing things. And what we're going to discover today is this, that the apostle Paul says, he goes, based upon my experience of these in the meantime moments and based on my experience with God, he says, in the middle of incredible adversity and suffering and persecution, here's what the apostle Paul is going to show us and we're going to learn from him. He says, in the middle of all that, you can find contentment. Now, now all of us kind of have an idea, our own definition of what contentment is. So just to make sure that we're all on the same page, we are going to define contentment for us. And that is this. Contentment is peace on the inside when everything around you is going crazy on the outside. See, here's what contentment is. Get this statement. Contentment is peace. Contentment is peace, which means that contentment is the ability to stop striving, even when everything outside around me just feels like it's out of control and that it's going nowhere. And the Apostle Paul, what we're going to learn from him today as we look at this just incredible passage of Scripture is this. He says that there is a way to find and attain contentment in our lives and in spite of the fact that you have no control, that you didn't cause what happened and you have no control over what is going on around you. So let me just kind of give you kind of some, some context for what we're going to be talking about today because this is so absolutely important and that is this, especially if you're kind of new to this whole Bible study thing, but there's something that you need to understand about the Apostle Paul that makes what we're going to look at today that he says so powerful. Some of you may know this, but then when the Apostle Paul, when he stepped on the pages of history in the book of Acts, he stepped on the, or into history as a Christian persecutor and killer. He was a persecutor and killer of Christ followers. And then there was just like this incredible miracle that happened in his life. And he became a Christ follower himself. And as a result of his life transformation, his encounter with Jesus Christ himself, he went on this incredible missionary endeavor where he's planting churches in all the known world. Now think about that. He's planning all these churches, and he does that for about 10 years. And then about 10 years into this missionary endeavor of reaching the known world for Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul is arrested. And he ends up in house arrest waiting for trial. Now, you got to understand something. When he is arrested, he's arrested, and he's in Rome, and the emperor at that time was Nero. So here's the thing. To be a Christian in Rome under arrest with Nero as the emperor, I'm telling you folks, that's not a great combination for your life or your future. Because if you really stop and think about it, look at the history, you discover that Nero hated Christians. He'd do anything he could to blame bad things that were happening in Rome under his leadership on Christians. In fact, oftentimes Nero, he would, like, he would light his garden by rolling Christians in tar and pitch and then burning them, put them in his garden, burn them as torches. So that's what Nero thought of Christians. So in this moment, the Apostle Paul, he is under house arrest in Rome. But he's not only under house arrest, he's under the arrest as Nero being the emperor. So the question becomes this, what do you do 
when there's nothing that you can do. Well, the Apostle Paul's sitting there going, there's nothing I can do. Nero, he hates Christians. There's nothing I can do. And so he decides that while he's there under house arrest, that he's going to write some letters. And in his mind, it's just, well, there's nothing else I, I can do, so uh, I'm just stuck here. I'm stuck here until my trial, so what can I do? And he goes, well, I can write, so I'm, I'm going to write some letters. And so what he does is he begins to write some letters to some Christians and some Christian churches that he had planted. Now, here's what ends up happening. He wrote, while he's in prison, he wrote what is known as, we call it the book of Ephesians, the book of Colossians, the book of Philippians, the book of Philemon. And these letters, if you study kind of like the history of the New Testament, they are known as the prison epistles because they were written while he was in prison. Now, here's where this becomes very practical for us. In the Apostle Paul's mind, I'm sure he's sitting under, in, under arrest thinking, there's just nothing I can do. So he thought, I'll just write some letters. But in reality, while he's thinking there's nothing I can do, he's writing these letters, and without knowing it, he's changing the world. He's changing the way people view God. He's changing the way that Gentiles approach God. He is writing literature that would impact our world for thousands of years, and it's still impacting our lives even today. And what's really even amazing about this, so much of the theological literature that we have today in our world, it was written during times of adversity, when people were going through the most difficult times that you could ever imagine. Now, here's the point. The Apostle Paul, he had no idea what hung in the balance of his decision to be faithful to God, to remain faithful when he was suffering great difficulty, hardship, and persecution. See, see, the Apostle Paul, he had no idea what God was up to, what God was going to do through him. I mean, think about it this way. I heard someone say it this way some years ago. He says, like, think about this. What are the odds that letters that were written in Rome while the Apostle Paul was under arrest, what are the odds that they would survive first century, much less become part of a widely read compilation of writings that we now know as the New Testament? I mean, like, what are the odds of that? See, the Apostle Paul, he had no idea what hung in the balance when he decided, well, there's nothing I can do, but I'll just write some letters. And I'll remain faithful to God. Do you know what hung in the balance of him doing that? Here's what hung in the balance. We hung in the balance. The church, the movement of the church, it hung in the balance. In fact, the reason that the Apostle Paul was able to accomplish a lot of what he did was because of adversity and because of his response to adversity. Now that's a really big deal when you think about it. Because when you start thinking about it towards your life, it's this, you have no idea what or who hangs in the balance of your decision to remain faithful when everything around you is falling apart and you have that little voice in your head that says, run, escape, bail out on this thing, just go do your own thing. See, you have no idea what God might be uh, up to in and through your life 
When everything around you says, hey, listen, there's no point in continuing to be ethical. There's no point in continuing to be moral. There's no point in continuing to be faithful. I mean, there's just like no point in staying in this relationship. There's no point in telling the truth. I mean, there's no point in doing things the way they should be done. I mean, there's no point in like being obedient or submissive to God. I mean, there's no point in saying yes to God because you can't win. Listen, you have no idea what hangs in the balance. And you know what the problem is and really the big challenge for all of us is this, is you really will never discover what hangs in the balance until you're willing to remain faithful in the midst of adversity. And so this is like a really big deal for all of our lives. So when you find yourself, where many of you find yourselves right now, we, we find ourselves in these in the meantime kind of circumstances, you need to remember this, and we learn this from so many examples of people's lives throughout scripture, and also just look back on the history of Christ followers, and that is this, that God is not absent, and God is not apathetic, and God is not angry at you. And oftentimes he's doing his greatest work in the moment that you think is like your worst moment. And so the worst thing that you could do is hit the eject button on your faith and try somehow to kind of get yourself out of your less than ideal circumstance. So in this letter, in this one letter that the Apostle Paul wrote from prison to a group of people uh, in Philippi, the Apostle Paul, he addresses this whole issue of how do you find contentment in the middle of great adversity. So here's what he says, and, and remember, you gotta remember, the Apostle Paul doesn't know what's gonna happen with his life. In fact, what he assumes is that he is going to lose his life because of who the emperor is at this time. So here's what the Apostle Paul writes to Christ followers in the city of Philippi, and he says this, and I just want you to understand something. I mean, this is so practical. He's like, here's what you do when you find yourself in a in-the-meantime kind of situa situation. And here's what he says. Notice with me, Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse 10. He says, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And that kind of sounds like a little bit of riddle, but you got to understand it this way. The Apostle Paul is under house arrest in Rome. And as you can imagine, news traveled slowly. They didn't have email, that kind of thing. And so news traveled slowly. And so they didn't really know that he was having any kind of difficulty or problem. Well, finally, the message got to them that the Apostle Paul was in prison. So they sent him a care package. And so when he gets this care package from his friends in Philippi, he's like, wow, they didn't know, but then they knew, so they were able to renew their concern for me. And so he's like excited about this, and he's very grateful for this. So he writes in this letter, he said, man, I'm so glad you got the message because you were able to renew your concern for me. So he's opening this package, very grateful. But then he uses this moment of receiving this care package to kind of launch into this point where he talks about here is the secret to enduring hardship. Here's how you stay content in the middle of difficult, I mean, just like very harsh kind of times. In fact, he goes on. This is what he says. He's not, he said, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. In other words, he's like, I'm glad you sent me this care package. I'm glad you didn't forget about me. Uh, but I'm not glad because like I was afraid that I was like God wasn't going to take care of me. Or I'm not glad because like I was just going crazy on the inside. Or like I was overwhelmed with some kind of anxiety. 
He says, I'm not saying this because I was in need, but here's the key. He says, for I have learned. I have learned. In other words, it took a little bit of time. He says, but I learned. This wasn't intuitive, and this wasn't natural. He says, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance. Now, this word content right here, it basically means this. It means to be internally self-sufficient. Literally, he's saying, listen, I've learned how to deal with difficulty and hardship without letting it wreck me on the inside, without letting it drag me down on the inside. He says, I have learned to be content even though things around me are just all up in the air. They're so unsure. He's like, I'm not stressing out. I'm not trying to run away from God. I have learned to be content. Now, this is an amazing statement. Notice what he goes on, he says. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now, I don't know about you, but being able to be content whatever circumstance that you find yourself in, that's pretty amazing. To be able to look at people and go, hey, listen, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstance. And so for me, and I, I'm sure this is probably true for you, it's like if there is a way to learn how to be content whatever the circumstance, you know, I'm not necessarily saying I'm happy about it or I'm glad it's happening or, you know, like bring on more, but if there's a way for me to be at peace inside when things around me are going crazy on the outside? Wouldn't we all kind of want to learn that? And the Apostle Paul says, well, I just want you to know whether you learn it or not, there is something that you could learn that would give you the ability to be content on the inside when things are really crazy on the outside. He says it really does exist. And, and basically, whether you ever get this or not, is something that you can have for you. And then the Apostle Paul, he basically says, hey, there is this category of contentment that works in your life no matter what the circumstance. In fact, he says, I have learned in fact, in just a moment, he's going to say, I have learned the secret. I've learned the secret of being content. I mean, that's just a powerful statement. In fact, he goes on. Here's what he says. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And everybody who's reading this letter, they get what he's saying because to be in prison under Nero, I mean, they're going, oh, there's plenty of need, there's plenty of want. And the question boils down to this, so how in the world can you be content with all of this, to have it all and then to have nothing? And in the next verse he tells us, and, and the next verse is like one of the most famous verses like in the whole New Testament. But it's perhaps probably one of the most misapplied verses in all of the New Testament as well. It's, it's probably one of those verses that most of you have heard, that you've seen written somewhere, especially around sporting, sporting events. And, and it's one of those verses that are really easy to remember. And so, so many people have taken it out of context and applied it to a different kind of situation than what the Apostle Paul meant for it to be. 
But here's the context for this verse. See, the Apostle Paul says, I'm going to give you a summary of how to be content in the middle of circumstances that are chaotic, and in his case, they are even life-threatening. So here's the secret. He says, I can do all this. Now, what is all this? Well, I can do all the persecution that I've gone through, he would say. I can go through all the times being run out of town and being stoned and left for dead. He says, I can go through all the shipwrecks that I've gone through. I can go through all the floggings and all the beatings that I've gone through. He says, I can do all those things that I didn't know if I was going to get out of life, out of life. but I can do all of this and keep my commitment to Christ and not be tempted to disobey or to compromise and to say, hey, Nero, you're Lord, so let me go home now. No, 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 no. He says, no, I can do all this suffering thing. I can do all this hardship thing. I I can do all this adversity kind of thing. Notice what he says. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Now, the apostle Paul Later on, he would elaborate on this statement right here in another letter he wrote, through Christ who gives me strength. He would elaborate that this right here, I can do all things through Christ, it's kind of a mystery. It's a mystery to experience Christ's strength in you. Don't don't miss that. He's saying there is this mystery for followers of Jesus Christ where actually the life of Christ, the strength of Christ, the endurance of Jesus Christ is available to you. And it's available to you in Christ through the person of the Holy Spirit. So he says, listen, I can do all of this through Christ. It's this mysterious kind of thing who gives me strength. Now, just to be clear, and I I don't mean to be critical of people, but let me just tell you what he's not talking about. He's not talking about this. He's not talking, what the Apostle Paul is not talking about, he's not talking about winning something. He's not talking about doing some athletic kind of thing really good so that you win some kind of trophy. He's talking about, I can do all this through Christ, In other words, I can be fine on the inside even though the world around me is going crazy and is out of control. I can do all of this difficulty. I can do all of this suffering. I can do all of this persecution. I can do all of this hardship through Christ who strengthens me with his strength. When he strengthens me with his strength, I can survive all things. I can thrive under all circumstances. I can maintain my internal composure, not because he's strong or because I'm strong, excuse me, but because he gives me his strength. So let me just kind of summarize this because here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, listen, I can't, but he can. He can through me. I can't. I can't do all of this hardship, difficulty, hard times on my own. I'm not able. It's beyond me. I can't, so I'm not going to pretend that I can. I'm just going to say up front, I can't. 
I just can't do this. I can't handle this. I'm going to admit it. But God, he can. So I can't. Literally, I'm going to say what other Christians won't say he would say. He's going to go, God has given me more than I can bear. Now, I know you hear Christians all the time saying this statement, well, God will never give us more than we can bear. The Apostle Paul goes, find that in one of the epistles I wrote, and it's not there. I don't know who made up that wives' tale, but it's not there. So God will give you more than you can bear. That's why this verse is so powerful. So the Apostle Paul goes, I can't, but Jesus can through me. And the reason that we know Jesus can is because he dragged his own cross up a hill and then he died for my sin and he died for your sin. And in dying for your sin and my sin, he took on all the torment and punishment and all the wrath of God for all mankind on himself. And if he has the strength to do that, if he can do that on purpose, if he will do that intentionally, then what I'm handling, what I'm dealing with, what I'm facing is nothing compared to his strength. So the apostle Paul goes, man, when a storm hits me in life, a difficulty or hardship hits me in life, the first thing I'm gonna say is, I can't. But here's what I am gonna say, and this is the most important thing. He can through me. So what that means for you this morning is you're single and you are sick and tired of being single and you're saying, I just can't handle being single anymore. Yeah, you can't, but he can. Or maybe you're a parent and your child, is, man, they're just acting out and you're going, anybody want a kid? <laughs> I can't handle this anymore. Yeah, he goes, you're right, you can't. But he can through you. Or, or maybe you're pregnant and this pregnancy means the end of your dreams, the end of your world as you had dreamed about it, you knew it, and it's not what you had planned for your future. And you're just thinking something like this, I cannot have this baby. He's right, yep, yeah, you can't, but he can through you. And it could be one of the biggest blessings you ever experienced in your life. Or maybe things just aren't good at going, going good at home for you. And, and every time you drive home or he's going to arrive home or she's going to arrive home, you're like thinking, like, who's that going to be? Because there's like three versions of him or three versions of her, you know. And it's like every time, you know, they come home, you're waiting to see who's coming home today. And you're just thinking, God, I can't keep doing this. And your heavenly father would go, yep, you can't. It's more than you can bear. But I can through you. See, this is the mystery of Christ in you that we often don't talk about. You go, I just can't handle this job. My boss is driving me crazy. I mean, my boss is such an idiot. My supervisor, oh, they're so stupid. I mean, if I was running this company, it'd be so much better. Everybody would love everybody. Everybody would get along. It'd just be so awesome. I would get boss of the year awards. I just can't go back tomorrow. Now, you're right. I can't, but he can. He can through you. 
help you love the people who are difficult to love. See, the mystery of Christ's strength through you is this. It's this reality that you can have contentment in those in the meantime circumstances because your Savior lives inside of you through the person of the Holy Spirit and you can experience his power and you can experience his strength and you can experience his life working through you. And you can do things with him working through you that you could never handle on your own. So this week, we have another prayer card for you. Last week, we gave you a prayer that we wanted you to pray all last week of asking God for wisdom to give you a bigger context. Today, you're gonna get another card as you leave today. And we're challenging you to pray the prayer on this card at least throughout this week. And, and we made it smaller so some of you could memorize it, okay? Um, but here's some of you don't just need to pray this for this week. You need to pray it for like through this whole season that you're going through because it's so tough. So here's what we want you to do. In the morning, before you get out of the bed, don't tell yourself that lie anymore that God will never put anything on me that I can bear. You need to go back to your grandmother's grave and say, Granny, you were wrong. That's just not even in the Bible. Before you get out of the bed, you need to get up, or before you get out of bed and get up, you just need to say, I can't, you can. Before you even start your day, just say, God, I'm going to acknowledge you're gonna give me more than I can bear today. So good morning, Lord. I can't, you can. And then when you go to bed at night, and this is going to be on the other side of it. We want you just to say this prayer. God, when I get up in the morning, I'm not going to be able to handle everything coming to me. So here's what I need you to teach me. Teach me the mystery of Christ in me. Teach me the mystery of Christ in me. God, I don't understand how this works, but would you teach me? Would you teach me the mystery? Because here's the reality. I can't teach you that mystery. You can't teach each other that mystery. To experience the mystery of Christ's strength through you, you have to lean into his strength and experience it in the hard time. So you have to pray. God, teach me the mystery of Christ in me, working his strength through me. And you pray this prayer because that's how you learn the secret of contentment. The Apostle Paul said, I learned this. I had to lean into this, just like you're gonna to have to lean in this. I didn't know it automatically. It wasn't something natural. It wasn't intuitive. So every morning, God, I am declaring, I can't, but I believe that you can. Every night, God, I want you to teach me the mystery of you living your strength and your life through me. So here's how it works. Every morning, will you say it with me, everybody? Every morning it is, I can't, you can. Every night as you go to bed, it is, teach me the mystery of Christ in me. So when you're in this in the meantime kind of moment, use it to learn the secret of contentment. Use it to lean in to Christ's strength, the mystery of Christ's strength working in and through you and empowering you to handle what you're going through. Now, here's why this is so important. 
You have no idea what God wants to do in and through you in your in the meantime kind of situation. And even greater than that, you have no idea what hangs in the balance of you saying, God, I can't, but you can. So teach me the mystery of Christ's strength working in and through me. You have no idea who or what your life will impact as you lean in and you learn the secret of contentment. Christ in me, his strength working through me. So every day this week, prayer in the morning, prayer in the afternoon or evening. I can't, you can. Teach me the mystery of Christ's strength in me and through me. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for uh, just this incredible lesson that the Apostle Paul has taught us. It's a, it's a lesson. God, he, he experienced difficulty and hardship and trials beyond anything that most of us in 21st century America will ever imagine. So I pray that you help all of us this week to begin to pray these two prayers. And, and may it be our declaration to you of saying, God, we're going to lean into you because only in and through you can we learn the secret of being content in whatever circumstance or situation I find ourselves. God, thank you. Thank you for this incredible promise. And thank you for what you're going to do as we let go, as we quit believing that lie that God will never give us more than we can bear. And we start believing the truth. I can't, but he can through me. God, I thank you for the impact that so many of our lives are going to make as we choose to remain faithful and allow you to work in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen.